Hello and welcome to the Gorillas Art Book Podcast. My name's Kate Bryan and I'm here to celebrate the new Gorillas Art Book, going behind the scenes with some of the artists featured. As well as never-before-seen work by Gorillas co-founder Jamie Hewlett, the book brings together a global lineup of artists who have all created their own interpretations of the iconic Gorillas band members. I'll be talking to a few of the artists that have contributed work to this illustrious new book, as well as a rare in-depth interview with Hewlett himself. I'll be asking the contributing artists how they arrived at their artwork and how on earth they tackled the challenge of rethinking something so well-known and loved. Hopefully, we'll also get to the more philosophical stuff. What does art mean beyond the printage page? How can it shape culture and thought more widely? I want to know the ways in which they think art can connect and inspire us. Right, let's get to it. In this episode, I'm joined by the British artist and director, Ruff Mercy. Born Russ Mercy, he's based in Bristol, but has worked his way around the world after starting his career as an animation and motion designer. He has worked for MTV and Superfad, and since 2010 has directed music videos and commercials full-time. He is known for his distinctive hand-drawn animation and collage overlaid on live action footage. His work is high energy, very much about the hand of the artist, and despite its sophistication, it retains this charming, childlike wonder at what drawing can achieve. He brings all of these qualities to the portraits he has created for the Gorilla's art book. Rough Mercy, thank you so much for chatting to me. Um, am I calling you Russ? Yeah, Russ is fine, yeah. <laughs> so um, I just loved looking at your work. I mean, how did it feel when Jamie first approached you to be in the book? Yeah, it was pretty amazing, actually, because I've respected his, his work for a, I've been a fan for a long time. So it's kind of surprised, but blown away as well. I mean, you're probably one of the artists in the book that can most appreciate or relate or sympathise with Jamie's accomplishment as an artist after all these years, because you've also worked in this music art space. And I was wondering what attracted you particularly to this, this particular way of making art. Yeah, I think you're right there. Since being a kid, as long as I can remember, music has always been a big part of my life and just loving music and being inspired by music mainly. I'd say music inspires my art more than other art does. It kind of just was a natural progression and something I had to seek out and just make sure I'm, I, could, I could do that and become part of the sort of music world through my visuals because I can't make music I was <laughs> so gonna ask I was gonna to ask it this. yeah Jamie said the same thing it was this sort of like attraction to music and to musicians and getting to see what they did but knowing yeah. that really your your skill didn't lie there shall we say or was was yeah you know, totally your energy was better spent elsewhere yeah I feel like I try and I get inspired by music a lot and I try and take that energy and attitude from music, musicians and music that I like and try and put that through my work. Mm. You know, I draw on that energy from the music. And so talk to me about the way that you, you make your work. It's like your line is really, it's kind of quite ferocious. Like you animate your drawings in such a way as to make us feel that they are alive, that they have this life source beyond you. It's not, there's nothing dry about what you do. There's nothing kind of detached. It feels passionate um even though some of the images can be kind of quite dark and you kind of play around with that passion but it it does feel like it's got this like life source like where do you think it comes from you know I I think it's because animation takes a long time and I found the way of drawing quickly and expressing myself quickly kind of gave it that energy and I and I loved how that felt the fact that I could work quickly and also like as you mentioned it feels kind of alive and expressive so I just love that way of working and not getting bogged down with trying to 
perfect things too much uh, mm. and get and then falling into the working too slowly and overdoing stuff so I kind of like to keep things fresh and just move fast as I can <laughs> in animation that's quite slow still but and and drawing every frame I felt rather than traditionally in animation I think you you'd only draw the parts that were moving of the character say if you're drawing a character whereas I like to redraw the whole frame again and again and just change things to keep myself each frame will probably change in what I'm drawing just to keep it fresh for me as I'm drawing it I just love the energy I get from from that for that technique I, mean, I gather when you first started producing music videos you were sort of essentially tagging someone else's material so I you see a video that you like I'm assuming that you're just like really like the music is just really doing it for you and then you you sort of borrow it like a, someone else would like a wall or an advert and then you draw all over it so it's like animated tagging and I was sort of fascinated by this and I got it instantly I was like okay I can see that that's amazing and, and then you have this kind of like fantasy of being like god why didn't I think of that that's such a good idea it's like um, <laughs> one of those perfect ideas that you know which is your idea in your space but I think um I was sort of, I had a couple of questions about that, which was like, did you have any apprehension of doing that, i.e. wondering what the original creators might think of what you were doing? Um, because if you sort of, when you're like tagging, you're not really like worried about what anyone, someone's yeah. wall, you know, like maybe you're overworking someone else's work, which obviously there's a, there's a whole thing there, right? But I was curious about how you, what you felt about like the, the original creator of the content would think, or were you not worried about it? Did you not even get that far? I grew up listening to hip hop a lot, which samples music, you know, samples other genres mm. of music. Yeah. And it was just that attitude. I mean, I, I, I grew up with graffiti and hip hop music. And then when I came to start my videos where I was drawing over stuff, I realized that I, can, I, I just brought the same attitude of what I felt a graffiti artist would do or, and, or a hip hop artist sampling. So I just... I didn't even think about it. I just thought I could just change this into something, make it mine. And it was kind of a cocky attitude to take, but uh, one video in particular was for a guy called Pusha T, who's huge and I'm a big fan of, but I saw his video and I had this idea to just take his video, draw over it as quick as I could in a week and then just put it online to just say, here's my version. So at that point, I didn't, I didn't think about the video director. I kind of was feeling a bit cheeky <laughs> I guess that's a good way to say you know like hey it's art it's sampling you know you can't mm. you know if you're making hip-hop music you can't complain about being sampled even if it's visually so I just came at it with that attitude and I, I um well Picasso said didn't he that good artists borrow but great artists steal <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I, I I think there's been a couple of times where I did pause and think Hey, wait a minute. Am I just am I just sort of like not really thinking about the other creator, you know? Uh, and then a few times people have taken my style or even sampled the work I've done and used it in their own work. And at first I was like, hey, that's a bit cheeky. But then I realised that's what I've been doing, and you know, all you know, so be it. It's just the way it is. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but occasionally, recently, maybe I don't know. It's getting older, but I did stop and consider maybe I shouldn't be doing it to a couple of things but then I do it <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. I mean from those early videos of just being cheeky and you know getting on with it I mean you've been on quite a journey you've worked with some of the best people in the business I mean what are the what would you sort of talk about with like the key 
key moments that got you to where you are today? I mean, I remember seeing Lily Allen's Jesus video and I loved that video so much when it came out. And, you know, someone who likes music, but as an art historian, like I'm a geek, I love, just love visual culture. And I was like, oh, this is, feels really different. And I was just curious, like, what would you sort of say those kind of like moments were where you, to, to get you from those initial cheeky interventions of tagging to today? Yeah, well, I think there was an initial discovery of using the Wacom tablet and being able to do this and bring to life my doodles and my sketches that I would do all the time. And it was completely different to the work I was doing at that point. And mm. then I jumped on this, found I, I could do it and didn't want to stop doing it. And I just, like I said, I, I mentioned the Pusha T video and that kind of, when I realised that people loved that and there was no backlash, it kind of, I think that actually that led to the Sheezus video you mentioned. I think they saw that and they saw that there was, I feel like no one was doing that at the time. Maybe it's drawing over live footage like that. So it, I think I came to be noticed by the record industry a bit more and then got asked to just... To, to repeat the same sort of techniques for several artists and from one video like Jesus leads to another and luckily I just kept going and just trying to not reinvent myself but push things and move forwards mm. and um, and yeah I've been pretty lucky actually with the people I've worked with. I want to talk about the work that you've made for the book. Um, you've sort of resisted the idea of like maybe a narrative work or, you know, there's, some, there's such a, like a whole range of doing things in this book, which is just testament to you give artists, you know, a, an, you know a, a thing and they'll just take it in a million different ways, which is the most exciting thing about working with artists. Um, and you've kind of created these four portraits but totally reworked what we think we know about the Gorillaz band members. I mean, there's, you've, you've really trod this great line between what Jamie's created and then entering them into your universe. Like, what was the starting point when, when Jamie asked you to get involved? Did you know that's immediately what you would do or did you have a few different ideas? You know, I was kind of intimidated at first because of these characters and how well they're drawn and Jamie's just the, the, the huge scope that's there of all the work. And, um, and they're real. I mean, they're real to us. And they're like, I have this whole yeah. life. And they're, you know, they're a couple of decades old now. I mean, this is serious business. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised you were nervous. Yeah. But then I just kind of like thought, oh, you know, Jamie supported my work in the past. And I didn't want to let him down. And I just mm. was thinking, what would I do? And I didn't, I knew I, can, I can't draw as well as Jamie. So I'm like, what, what do I bring to it? And I know that I wanted to bring out the color of the, how, the, how the music comes to me in color. And kind mm. of, I wanted to take their forms and just, just go to town on it and um, try something out different that slightly different for me. And then also, I just wanted to see what I could get away with, with those images, but like push it. But then also, so you'd still know that they're the gorillas. Yeah, because you're you're looking at what makes each band member distinctive, and I can see that you've you know when you sort of really sit and dissect them, you can see like okay, you've worked, you've been really careful to kind of you know, it's like, got to have the spiky hair or there's like these, these yeah. things. That, you know, but then, you you know, you there's no real recognisable features. I mean, you've really played. Were you listening to a lot of the music then when you were doing it and that's where the kind of colour thing came from? I mean, they, they feel like they're about, I don't know, one centimetre away from being animated. They are so, like, they're like fizzing on the page. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I did listen to a lot of the music and, and it's also just, they've always been there. You know, those characters, they're so clear of what they look like you know in my in my memory so I didn't have to really look too much at the 
at, at the drawings to come up with it. I just just started scribbling <laughs> to the music, you know, and and, and, and just. And I guess trying to think what maybe drew Jamie to my work in the first place and remembering that actually he liked my work. Mm. I didn't, you know, and, and, and there was just trying to retain, retain that really, retain mm. my, my style, but, you know, make it fit into his world slightly. So talk to me about your creative process. It, it looks like these could be paintings existing on a gallery wall. And I imagine there's hand-drawn stuff that you're doing, but also I imagine that you're you know, extremely proficient in various digital programs because of the work that you do yeah. on a day-to-day basis. So it feels like quite a really interesting sort of hybrid. Like I was looking at them in the book and I was like, I really don't know how he's made them. I mean, they're so sensitively yeah. done. They sit in a really nice space between painting and digital art. Thanks. I guess... Well, it's a mixture of like marbling, you know, like you doing some handcrafted marbling on paper and scanning the textures and then digital drawing. And then with my work, you know, I, I always set out for it to look like one thing, but it never looks like that. And I'm always more <laughs> impressed. Like, like I, sh- I should get a bit annoyed by that, but actually it's the unexpected and the, yeah. the mistakes. There's some mistakes and not knowing what I can, what I'm going to create. Mm. Like when, so that's what I like about digital work to a degree is pulling it all in and then moving things around and something lands on the page a bit weird and then you realise oh I like that I like how it looks and it's kind of controlling that chaos to then mm. you know sometimes it goes a bit off and then you sort of bring it back and then it's just pushing and pulling that stuff to then make it all work but that's why I like digital work in the digital realm but I, I love textures and and that it, and painting, so it's like pulling all that together, really. Mm, I think it's a, there's probably quite a strong misapprehension among certain more traditional corners that don't really understand that there is that quality to making digital art, that think that, you know, it's like those kind of happy accidents that happen with, you know, paint dripping or just the way that colours mix on the palette naturally or whatever, that they think that's where that kind of intuitive, organic kind of following an accident and dictating what happens next can only happen in the physical act of creation. But of yeah. course it is absolutely happening in the digital realm as well, which is why we have so many amazing like p- people producing the most extraordinary content digitally, because of course it happens in the same way, because all of this is just about editing, isn't it? Like you do something and then you have to decide you're making a decision, yeah. whether you've been really conscious of that decision. Like, is this good? Is this interesting? Should I follow this? Yeah. Should I follow this? Maybe I'm going to go into a cul-de-sac. Maybe I better come back out again. But it's the same. It's the same thing. Surely it's just the the same exploration that it happens, whether it's on a computer yeah. or not. Yeah, you know, for a while, I, I, I too felt like digital art wasn't as worthy, you know, of mm. Of, mm. of the recognition. There was a. I probably had a chip on my shoulder that what I was doing was not, you know, like I, I have total respect for painting, you know, and painters and people I can go out in the street and paint a mural on the wall in front of everybody. Um, but then I slowly came to realise that there's room for it, for, for it all. So 
in fact, I'm going to push more into the real, real world and do more painting as well. And then hopefully I'll, but I won't give up bringing it back into the digital world. I, you touched on something um, slightly earlier, which is interesting to me, which is the idea of the work that you make, which is for yourself. And that it's sort of just like the, the stuff that really excites you and maybe the, the shorter things or more experimental. And then obviously taking that to the next level, which is like really trying to pursue um, you know, non-digital arts so are like kind of going back to the canvas and the paint. And then I guess the distinction between that and your your commercial work, which is all art, but there are these distinctions. And you talked about this word worthy. And I think it's such an interesting oh. time because I also think one of the distinctions between our generations and the ones below is that there there aren't those there aren't those same boundaries. And that hopefully I think that would be a good thing that you kind of democratize art to the point where whether you're working, whether you're being paid to work as an artist on someone on in a kind of commercial space or in a music space, or whether you're painting every day in the studio, that that might actually all start to be to be thought of with such, with not such difficult loaded terminology around it and like fractions. Mm. And I was wondering if you were conscious of those. It sounds like you are conscious of those distinctions. Yeah, I guess I'm always trying to st- think about what I'm going to do in the future and try and keep up with like trends that are happening and and not to just be stuck in my ways you know even if I if I prefer not to do something like the NFTs I'm not going to rubbish it I still think that you know it's the young kids are coming up and changing things and it's their future so I don't want to be the old grumpy man who's like that's (laughs) that's rubbish you know yeah, and also uh, do we, I think I'm, you know, I want to definitely be part of a movement that says that like all art is worthy, all art matters, all art is important. And it doesn't really matter the whether that's literally a painting on a canvas or whether it's made on a on a computer. Yeah, I mean, there's so much now, isn't there? Like arts everywhere, which is kind of great. And I think even a meme can can be art. I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm all for it. Mm. I'm all for art. Well, um, this art book to me feels like really celebratory. It's great because the artists come from all different countries in the world. Everyone's style is so different. And it's kind of, it's quite um, <laughs> like when I first opened it up, I was like, wow, this is quite an assault on the senses. There's like so right. much going on. It's like kind of like, it's got like electric vibe coming off it. Like bloody hell, there's a lot of people that put a lot of work to, into this thing. Not to mention all the, you know, the amazing team that pulled the book together and physically made it. But um, you, you feel it, you feel that weight. But I was curious how it felt for you to be part of something like that, where you just get this whole bunch of people coming together. Many of you have probably never met each other, may never meet each other, but you're going to sit on all these bookshelves um, around the world as well, sort of with your creations all nestled happily amongst those pages. I mean, how does that feel to be part of that, particularly in this time when actually a lot of this work was created when everyone was very isolated? Oh, yeah. Hey, you know, yeah, I'm really excited, actually. And having not seen the book yet, I'm... I can't wait to see the work in there. So finally, I wanted to talk to you about like the privilege of getting to be creative every day because not everybody gets to do that. And you get to do it in a, an unusual way. You know, you get to sort of the space that you occupy is sort of fascinating. And I guess what's what's interesting about your work as well is that you're kind of working collaboratively because you're responding to things that other people have created and obviously doing your own work as well. And I was wondering how it feels to to be an artist in that way like do you wake up in the morning and go cool I'm really glad I'm doing this or do some days you just go this is really just like any other job <laughs> still, yeah. still a bit of a drag sometimes hey. tell me the good stuff yeah. you can tell me the bad stuff it, as well it's fine I'm kidding 
Hey, it's it's mostly it's mostly great. I mean, when I remind myself and I think, damn, I'm I'm really lucky. But then sometimes when I'm in the middle of it, like trying to nail a project, I'm like, why am I an artist? This is like <laughs> my friends go to work nine to five, they come back, you know. But it's full time. It's like after hours. It's you know, but and then sometimes when you're working on a commercial job, that's not maybe as interesting. And you made the mistake of, of taking it on. Then maybe sometimes then I'm like, again, why am I not, why am I doing this? But I'd say 90% of the time it's just it's great, you know. And I like the fact that my kids can see that you can make a living this way, mm. and you know you don't have to you know I don't have to go into an an office and wear a tie or just sit there at a job I hate. So pretty privileged really yep 100% well I don't think you'd be able to call Rough Mercy call yourself Rough Mercy wandering around Bristol in a tie it might be a bit odd um, thank you yeah. so much for talking to me I love what you've created um, it's really great alright nice to meet you and thanks a lot that's all that we've got time for in this episode of the Gorillas Art Book Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please do subscribe, follow and rate this podcast on whichever platform you use. 